Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good morning and welcome to the show, Gearheads. This is John Massengill sitting in studio this morning without Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser. Jonathan's out of the Circuit of the Americas this morning and Les is on vacation. But I do have Tony Calderon sitting in studio. You may have heard Tony with us before. Really excited to have you, Tony. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you. Good morning. Well, Tony, just a little background on Tony. Tony is one of the partners of Speed Group. Uh, based right here in Austin, Texas, and these guys do all sorts of driver management. You name it. If you need to uh, to get your driver up to speed in racing and team management, Tony's group is uh, is an expert there. And and we just got through watching the Russian Grand Prix, of course, obviously with Team Orders putting Lewis Hamilton in the uh, the Victor Circle this morning. And so, uh, but but Tony, before we get in the Russian Grand Prix, let's talk about your background a little bit because. Uh, Speed Group, one of your partners, James Hinchcliffe, famous race car driver at IndyCar. But uh, tell us a little bit about the company so we know uh, your background. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, Speed Group um, is a company that I founded with uh, James Hinchcliffe and David Martinez. Both, uh, well, uh, David's an ex-IndyCar driver, and everybody knows who Hinch is. And uh, yeah, basically what we do is we manage drivers, we coach drivers, we help drivers with their uh, marketing and PR. So we like to call it we're a one-stop shop, you know, if you, if you want to... Um, be successful in racing, which we try to just take care of everything. We like to say, you know, you show up and drive and everything else will be taken care of for us. That's nice. Well, I want to start right off the bat with really, I guess, one of the biggest stories of the race is that is Valtteri Botas getting those team orders. We watched on, on television with Total Wolf hand on that button going, okay, let's make this judgment call. Uh, you've been there. You've actually made that that call over the radio to a driver, right? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's never easy. And, I mean, you could see... Uh, um, his face after, yeah. after the race and up on the podium, he wasn't happy. But for sure, that's something that would have been discussed uh, in the pre-race briefings, no doubt. And you know, I mean, it uh, it's it kind of sucks, but that's his job. You know, he he knows he's number two to Hamilton uh, in general, and obviously, especially right now with Hamilton leaving the championship. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, drivers are never happy with that. They always want to show what they can do. But also, you know, it, like I said, it's their job. That's what they get paid for, and you got to do what what the team tells you. Yeah, you know, and especially at this level, you, there's you 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 can't you couldn't disobey the team order, especially in a situation like this where they are, so they just don't have any choice. But hey, I want to throw out the phone number in case anybody wants to call in and join the conversation. Five one two six four three live five one two six four three five four eight three. Talk about the Russian Grand Prix or any Formula One talk. Feel free to call in. But so Tony, if um, you know, at this point, it's what is it? Fifty point lead now for Hamilton over Sebastian Vettel. The, you know, it's one of those things that I, I do, I, I love and appreciate what Mercedes is doing right now, but it is one of those things you want to see some more, some changes at the top. Uh, what do you think about Ferrari? Do you think they've even got a shot? Man, sure, they, they, Mercedes looks so much faster today. Yeah, it was, it was not a very good race for Ferrari, obviously. I mean, you could see even for half a lap when Vettel managed to get in front of Hamilton, which is great, uh, 
bit strategy. Even then, I mean, after what five corners, he couldn't uh, hold him up. So um, no, I, I I don't think they have a shot. I mean, unless something crazy happened, you you know, there would have to be almost two races. You would think where Hamilton has a DNF or something like that for Vettel to even be able to catch up. Um, or because I think now even if Vettel wins every race, I think it, it won't be enough anymore. Um, if if Hamilton's second, so yeah, that's no, true. I mean mathematically, I th- it's almost there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think for now, I mean. You know, Ferrari, I mean, I'm sure they're just going to go out and try to win races. And probably, I mean, who knows the way they do stuff in Formula 1. They're probably just, you know, prepping for next year, trying to get a faster car because obviously they just don't have it right now. That's a good point. That's ex- that's probably exactly what's happening, isn't it? Because, yeah. yeah I mean, and, you know, you, with this with this lead, it's becoming math and not impossible, but mathematically very unlikely. But, yeah, I, I was, I guess I had hopes that we might get uh, the championship, uh, maybe a little battle here when it came here to Austin in a few weeks, but that's not going to happen. It looks like, but so what do you, you talk about them preparing for next year? Uh, what goes on in this time of the year when they, when things are looking like they're settled and you start thinking about next year, what are these guys, what's Mercedes, what's Ferrari, everybody thinking about? Well, I mean, in, when you're a formula one, they almost have separate teams, right? The development team back in the shop, uh, working on next year's car. And then the, the racing team at the, of the track, if it was more of like IndyCar or something, you know, like the anything but Formula One, then you're maybe, you know, you're working on setup stuff for next year. You're working on um, trying to figure out, you know, areas of development that you missed out on. Um, so, yeah, for as the, the Formula One teams, they probably already have their car mostly uh, designed for next year. They're probably testing stuff and maybe they can put some stuff on this year's car to test it out. Uh, but that, you know, it, it, the technology there is so high that who knows what they're working on right now, you know. I've seen that there, you know, it's a lot of work on front wings for next year. You know, working on aero stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it, and you hear about this, especially with the smaller teams, where there's only so much budget they can use. You, you hear this all the time, right? Like they've kind of given up on this year. There's no more upgrades for this year. They're just working on. They're assigning the budget that they have towards next year's development, basically. So with Ferrari, I'm sure they can work on both, but because of limited testing and all that, maybe yeah, maybe they can put some stuff in the car for uh, to try it out for next year. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more down the grid as obviously Max Verstappen had an interesting race. And Daniel Ricciardo, you know, a part of me was like, yeah, this is an amazing drive. But also, you know, he's his machinery is was so much better than everybody coming up through the grid. But uh, what do you think about Verstappen's drive? Was it as good as everyone was excited about during the race or, you know, was it just a good driver and great machinery? Well, I think both. I mean, for sure, he did a great job. Obviously, Ricardo was behind him, but ended up um, what almost uh, yeah, a minute had... behind him, fifty seconds behind him. It seems like he had a problem at start. He, he might have some damage in the front wing, but no. For for Verstappen, I mean, obviously, he did what he had to do. He had, uh, get uh, past a bunch of cars. But really, what I think is more uh, more impressive is that he did all that and then went, I think, forty something laps on those tires. So yeah, that's true. He was passing what seventeen, eighteen cars, whatever it was and still taking care of the tires. And that's really, you know, from my experience, it's, you know, you don't hear this much, but one of the, what, what really sets some guys apart is to, to to have that knowledge of tires and how to save tires or how to, you know, knowing how much you can push and how much you have to save and, and finding that balance and feeling it out. Because that always plays out in any type of racing, sports cars, open wheel. If you if you know what you're doing with your tires, you, you, you can really have an advantage over everybody else. And yeah, I mean, he always, you know, even towards the end of, um, because he only did a one stopper towards before he stopped, he had the the Mercedes behind who already had wear on new tires and you know they, they he had the same pace so that that's the most impressive thing to me like doing so much and going offline and passing and still saving your tires. 
That's great. That's, that's great, Tony. I love to hear because you have been sitting there trying to make all these decisions. You've been that guy and hearing that about those, about drivers like that, you know, cause we do think of driver talent. You think of them being able to, to race the car, you know, whether it's, do they have the touch and the feel and the balance of the car, but there's a lot more to it. Like you're just saying, it's like, you got to know how to, to strategically manage those tires, but also I guess there's the touch in managing the tires as well. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's having the feeling to, to know what, you know, to, to, to listen to the tires, let's say, to, to feel out what they're doing. But, and then really is the experience because it's how much can I push now and how much do I need to save till later and, um, and make sure you sort of do that perfectly. So by the time you're done, the tires are done and you, you know, you didn't leave some on the table. Um, yeah, that, that takes a lot of work. And I've, like I said, some of the top guys that I've had a chance to work with, that's one of their big strengths that like they can just manage the tires and understand exactly, okay, these tires have to go for exactly 37 laps. So let's maximize those 37 laps. Let's not push too hard at the beginning, but let's also not leave a lot on the table by, by the time I'm done. So. Yeah. And you got to think about the characteristics of each tire and, and of course at each circuit, each temperature, the abrasion of each surface. Yeah, and there's a lot that goes. It's not just dry. I mean, you know, like some tires, what you do in the first lap will set up the the life of the tire. If you push too much, um, you know, they, they just kind of um, overheat and then they never come back. And if you don't push enough, they don't. You never kind of get them up to temperature, and the you know the, maybe the the pressures don't come up, and then that, that means it wears more. So yeah, there's a lot of science that goes into it, and especially you know when they when these guys do tire testing, they're, they're, this is what they're doing. You know, there there's a lot. I mean, I've seen guys that are just the engineers that spend weeks just figuring out how to warm up the tires, you know, how to do your first lap or your out lap. And th- there's definitely a lot that goes into that. <laughs> yeah. And then magnify that with that being here at the highest level of Formula One. It's just yeah. insane to think about all those variables. All right, well, let's look down the grid a little bit. Obviously, right after Max Verstappen, Daniel Ricciardo for Red Bull. But after that, Charles Leclerc in a Sauber at number seven. Man, that what do you think about this kid, man? I mean, I think uh, obviously... <laughs> I mean, you know, he's been impressing a lot. And that obviously, you know, you know uh, we'll see next year what he can do with Vettel. That'd be pretty cool. But not only that, but the team. I mean, if you see where Sauber was um, last year or in the last few years and where they are now, um, I think um, it's uh, a, a lot of credit. I think should go to the team principal, uh, Fred Vasseur. You know, he came in a couple of years ago and turned things around. And now, I mean, look at this. You know, the I think they, they had both cars in the top 10 in qualifying. Yeah. And... Um, with Raikkonen in there next year, you know, they, they, they could be pretty strong. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch with, with Raikkonen in there as well. I agree. And, and of course, Leclerc sitting next to uh, Sebastian Vettel. I, I, I felt like Vettel was already feeling the pressure of that move just because, you know, he's, he's thinking, I've got to win this year, but uh, I don't know. And, you know, I, I feel like Vettel, is, it lets the pressure to get to him more than, than you would expect for a four-time champion. But... All right, so today finishing right behind Leclerc was Kevin Magnuson. I thought Kevin had a really particularly good race. You know, he he had a couple of times there where he was essentially battling to keep that keep the lead that he had, and then there was never any steward discussion. What do you think of Magnuson's race today? Yeah, I think he. It seems like he finished where where he had to basically. You know, he had an eighth place car, and that's where he finished. And he was just managing the race as well. Like the four Cindy guys behind him, they did everything they could to get around him. They, you know. Also, team orders they switched around to see yeah can was in front in front first like you couldn't get around so they told Paris to, to, to give it a shot and it seems like uh, obviously they were a little bit quicker than Magnuson they were just right behind him the whole time but he just did what he had to do just look forward and manage his race and 
got the points that he needed, basically. Yeah. All right. So right behind Magnuson, we had Ocon and Perez, like you just talked about, a little team orders there. That's been a interesting, really interesting story to watch these guys. You think about where it's what's now known racing points, racing point force India. I think if you were to add those points back that they had to sacrifice right now, they would probably be in fourth. I think I'll, I'll, I'll look at the math here in a minute, but I think they yeah, would, with all the DNFs they've had, I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, they, uh, you know, what do you think about these guys and the move that that happened with, with the ownership and force point? Um, I mean, it sucks for Ocon, you know, sounds like he's out. Um, obviously for the team, they've had a lot of financial problems. Um, so I'm surprised they've been as quick as they have been with, with all that. So it's good for the team. You know, there's hundreds of people there that will keep their job and I'm sure they'll be able to develop the car more. But yeah, I mean, that's just the business of F1. So, um, you know, hopefully Ocon can find a place somewhere because he's obviously a talent and he just, he's a victim of, of business here. So. Yeah, we talked about that, Jonathan, I did earlier this morning on the pre-show, talked about Ocon. I mean, look where he is, a fantastic driver and could easily just be sitting outside the circle next year. It's, it, that is, like you said, that's the business of F1. So, uh, so in 11th, my Haas F1 team just outside the points today, uh, Roman Grosjean, uh, I, you know, he had a pretty uneventful race, really. I, I, in fact, it was kind of hard to watch him today. I don't know how yeah, much I don't they, think I even saw him once. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was hard to I, know what was going on with him. The story for me with the Haas F1 team today is that they did chip away at that points lead from Renault because Hulkenberg and Sainz both finished outside the points. So we'll look at some point totals here in a few minutes, but... Haas F1 chipping away, and 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 at some point during the show, I want to talk about what the impact, you know, what what the historical viewpoint would be of looking at a team like it's only been in Formula One for three years that may finish fourth. I mean, and particularly in if you look at it in a snapshot of time, because fourth is truly the best of the rest, because there's just you know such a huge gap between the top three and everybody else. But having a a team that's so new. And ending up finishing so high. Yes, they're the American team, and yes, I'm totally biased. But I, but I want to I want to talk about that too. But uh, so of course, immediately after Roman Grosjean was Nico Hulkenberg, uh, then Marcus Erickson and Fernando Alonso. What about Alonso's race today? Um, I think he said on the radio, you know, he summed it up. I think they were giving him a summary of it, and he's like, "Mate, I'm 15th. I don't care." So that, that pretty much tells you everything. I mean, that, I was hoping McLaren had a horrible weekend. So, yeah. all right, well, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about today's race. And later in the show, we have a we have a guest coming on. We got a great American open wheel driver. We got Kyle Kirkwood coming on the show. So stick with us. You're listening to Speed City Live from Austin. Back after these messages. ever wanted to be a race car driver? Well, you can at Dirtfish. Handle an all-wheel drive Subaru WRX STI or rear-wheel drive Subaru BRZ rally car at our 350-acre training facility. Learn how to control a car in any situation, on any surface, in any condition. Go fast, get sideways. Get your adrenaline fix by visiting dirtfish.com. 
Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas does it ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Talk 1370. <laughs> Hey, I'm Tanner Faust, one of the hosts of Top Gear, and thanks for listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Tanner Faust bringing us back. He's actually right here in town racing out at Circuit of the Americas in the uh, World Rallycross. What's going on out here in Austin today? Welcome back to the show. We got Tony Calderon sitting in the studio. And Tony, I want to touch on, go a little in depth on what we talked about before the break and talk about Esteban Ocon. Mm-hmm. Because a guy like him is obviously a fantastic race driver. And you get to that level. And I, I always think that, that, you know, these guys are all so close to the same ability when you reach that level. But what, what do you do? You know, if, what are his options at this point? If he doesn't end up in a seat, where do you think he might, might end up? I mean, obviously he's uh, he's a Mercedes driver, so I'm sure Mercedes has some kind of plans for him. That, you know, that he's quite a talent, so maybe they'll put him in Williams for a, a while, which wouldn't be great for him, obviously, right now. But it's better yeah. than nothing. Um, you know, maybe maybe Mercedes eventually puts him in the Mercedes car one of these days uh, when Lewis or uh, Bottas move on. Who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll see. But they'll keep him busy. I'm sure. Like they're not just going to let him go because um, he's a talent and I'm sure there's other teams out there that will want to have him like for example maybe Toro Rosso but you know they're probably not going to let him go there because like I said same. they'll want him with the Mercedes team so I would hope so I mean he's done a great job he's very young I think he's only 20 or 21 so um, he's got a bright future I, I wouldn't I mean I'm sure he's frustrated but hopefully there's a plan there and something will come about yeah and this is where the business of racing is just a reality and you just have to continue to play that out and I mean it's funny you think about the way the the path of a Formula One driver can go. A great example of that is Brendan Hartley. I mean, look at look where he he was in Formula One, then was out, went and and uh, won a championship with Porsche in the World Endurance Championship, and here he's back in Formula One. I don't know how long that's going to last, considering what's going on, but uh, a good example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he hasn't had a great year. I've always been a big fan, especially um, when he came to sports cars doing the LMP1 stuff. He was pretty amazing. Um, so I was very excited for him to go back to Formula One. Obviously, he has, hasn't had the best year. Um, we'll see what Toro Rosso does. 
I would hope they, they would keep him, but I don't know. It's it's pretty tough. Yeah, it's fun. I'm glad you said that because we said the same thing when uh, we've talked a lot about Hartley this year just because of we saw him here in Austin. And, and I remember the first time when he raced here in Austin, he was just amazing. Just came up through the field and he didn't end up winning that race that I, that I watched. He actually crashed out, but he was amazing. It, it was an accident that was out of his control, but... Um, but yeah, that's who knows what's going to happen with Hartley. But uh, and I, you know what? I didn't hear. I heard Gasly why he didn't DNF because of of brakes. But I didn't hear Hartley, so I don't know what happened. They both went out on the. They both spun. What was that about? Halfway through the race, they both spun and uh, at the same lap. Yeah, I don't know if it was the same problem for both. Yeah, Gasly said he had a some type of brake problem. Um, yeah, I don't know, but obviously a bad day for Toro Rosso finishing both last, basically. Yeah. You know, I have a special spot for the Russian Grand Prix. I don't know why. I when it, I guess because it started, I talked about this earlier in the pre-show, but it, is, uh, it started in recent history and with the, the, the Sochi Village. But I, I know it's never produced the great great racing, but I always look forward to it for whatever reason. But today was a good example of why I guess other people don't love it. But uh, So what any other stories that strike you from today? I know we've talked about the big things, but anything else that jumped out at you about today's race? I mean, I think it's... it's just the dominance that Mercedes had. I mean, like I said, nobody had anything for them. I think they were managing the race quite a bit. Um, they didn't want to push much because they didn't have to. I mean, like I said, we saw they, it only took Hamilton a few laps to get around Vettel. And even though then Vettel was kind of kept up with them, I, I think they had a lot in the pocket still. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's what most people want to see because obviously we want to see more exciting racing. But no, it's just, uh, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be a uh, Mercedes dominance, I think, for the rest of the season. And yeah, I think it was exciting to see uh, Verstappen pass so many cars. That, that was nice. But other than that, no, I mean, like I said, I, I think it's cool, cool event as well. It, it kind of reminds me, it seems like a mix between uh, Abu Dhabi and Singapore, kind of. You know, you see this park, but it looks it, it looks like a road course, but it's it's in a park, uh, the Olympic Park. But yeah, it seems to be one of those tracks that doesn't create a lot of, a lot of racing, unfortunately. Yeah. You haven't been to this one, have you? I have not, no. Said not not many people I've run into have been to the, the Sochi circuit, but uh, I, you you touched on this just now and earlier. But the fact that the way Mercedes went around Vettel, I mean, at, at parts of this year, you know, I know that there cars are changing, upgrades and all this throughout the year. But at, at parts of this year, it looked like that even in a straight line, that Merce- that Ferrari had the faster car at at several points this year. But man, today it was obvious that that Mercedes just was. It, it felt like Mercedes of the last few years. It wasn't even close. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, we'll see. Um, th- this was a particular track. It seems like uh, there's a lot of teams that just sometimes just can't get this track right. Uh, we're going to we're gonna go to some more classic tracks coming up here. So hopefully that will swing back in Ferrari's favorite, like in Fuji or, or uh, sorry, in, uh, in Japan, in Suzuka, one of those places. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously they have momentum on their side right now. Um, and them leading the championship by so much they can be conservative as well so yeah i mean it's you know it's this is definitely their championship and all they got to do is not screw up yeah uh, that's true they could start to become conservative so what about you talked about japan but what about austin coming up here uh you know obviously you you mean living here in austin we're so excited about it but uh in the uh yeah, and and Lewis Hamilton has just this is his I self admitted he loves the United States and loves the circuit here. So, uh, any any previews to what your thoughts might happen here in Austin? 
Well, um, yeah, like I said, obviously Lewis Hamilton has killed it here. Uh, I think he's won what four or five, four times here. I, I think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, no, I mean, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we have a uh, an exciting race. I mean, I know everybody loves coming here. I'm excited that it'll be the first time I'm here in a few years because I'm always off tra- uh, racing somewhere else. Yeah. So I'm excited to go. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I hope we get. Um, good turnout out there you know it's always nice to get new fans here i'm always trying to get my friends to come you know all the non-racing fans obviously it'll be a fun weekend uh, always a very big concerts as well so yeah um, no. Bruno mars britney spears yeah it will be um hopefully ferrari or or red bull has something for for uh for hamilton uh it will be fun to to, to see a fight up there for sure yeah you know it's funny you say that about uh growing the sport here it, you know, it's obviously the race has been tremendously successful now. You know, we had the big down year with the rain, but ever since then with the concerts, it's been hugely successful. 250,000 people the last couple of years. And, uh, but the, and, but to me, one of the big stories right now is the fact that we've got IndyCar coming and the, and immediately, as soon as IndyCar was announced here coming to Circuit of the Americas, everybody was like, oh, this is great. We're going to get to compare IndyCar to, uh, to Formula One on the same circuit. And then everybody was talking about, uh, is it going to be the exact same circuit, the same layout? And even Bobby Epstein came out. He was We had an interview with him on the show, and he said, well, we may do something slightly different, but it looks like now that it's going to be the exact layout. And we had Lee Diffie on the show, NBC commentator. Uh, we had him on, I guess, yeah, it was last week. And Lee talked about the the difference between, you know, IndyCar and F1. In fact, I've got a little clip of that, so we're going to play that. Let's hear from Lee Diffie. Um, I think it's super exciting that, that uh, IndyCar is going to go to Circuit of the Americas. Um, we, we actually, just to let you in on the inside a little bit, we had a, a chat with um, the head of competition, Jay Fry, last week before the Sonoma finale and just said, you know, are you sure that we're going to run the full circuit and not an abbreviated circuit? Are you sure you want the series running on the same track as one because the naysayers will, you know, um, draw a comparison to to F1 and, you know, F1 car is X amount of seconds faster and all that. And he just, he, like, with blip thinking, he just said, guys, it's not a problem. That's F1. Complies. Those who want to do the time comparisons can do the time comparisons. We don't care. Yeah. We've got a great series. So many different winners each year. So much passing. So such great competition. We don't care. If people want to do the time comparison, it'll be the same as it was years ago with Car Champ Car back at Montreal. It'll be the same at you know whatever. And so I, I really enjoyed his honesty and his answer. I thought that was I thought that was really good. And so yeah, let's just go there and let's just go there and enjoy it and, and enjoy IndyCar for what it is. So what do you think, Tony? IndyCar. I like what. Everybody, I think IndyCar is doing well enough now where they they don't care about a comparison like that. It's not the same race. What do you think about this? I know. I'm, well, first of all, I'm super excited. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've grown up with IndyCar. Work there. Have a lot of clients there. My partner races there. We have drivers there. Um, so no, I mean, I think it's going to be amazing. Um, I I don't think it matters either. I mean, look. Uh, everybody knows that F1 will be a few seconds faster. There's no doubt. But honestly, the show that IndyCar will be able to put the, on the track, no doubt, it would most likely be a much more entertaining race. And even off the track, um, you know, th- those races are just really cool. They're very, it's an open paddock, so there's a lot more access for the fans. Um, 
So I think I'm, I'm very excited. I think it's going to be great. I'm, uh, I, I really hope it's a successful race and something that lasts for a long time because it, it, it was meant to be, you know, to have IndyCar here, it, it has to happen. I know. We said that from, from day one at Coda. We said, okay, Indy's got to be next. And we knew the challenges with Eddie Gossage and, and everything else. But, but you know, I, talking about this, the, the comparisons, it, there's, there are two different goals. F1 says we're going to be the pinnacle, we're going to be the fastest, the highest technology at the sacrifice, let's say, maybe a little bit of the show because, I mean, look at IndyCar now with all the passing and, and obviously the, the cars are tremendously fast. You know, we're seeing, what, 235 miles an hour in Indy, so it's not like they're not fast enough or don't have enough power because, you know, today horsepower has become ubiquitous, even in street cars, road cars. It's like, how much horsepower do you want? It's not no longer, you know, I mean, it, you everything from fast economy cars to insane Teslas now. So it's horsepower is almost not even as relevant as it used to be in a way. But but with IndyCar, it's this amazing show. Well, and and but they are very fast. <laughs> yeah, let's not dismiss. I mean, they will be. If the, the IndyCars are extremely fast. Um, they have a lot of power. They have a lot of downforce. And honestly, if you want to look at it for you know for the amount of money they spend, it, it's actually pretty impressive how fast they are compared to Formula One because they're they're probably running on ten percent of the budget or less than that, and then they'll only be maybe you know uh, I would assume probably seven to eight seconds slower at Coda. So when you look at it that way, then it, it actually looked like it was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, but isn't that like everything though? It's like you to reach a certain level, it costs you this much money to go that last. 10% or whatever, it obviously it starts exponential. But but yeah, I think you're right. I, I said without knowing anything, without looking at any stats, I said five seconds, the difference. So we'll see. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we got a young race car driver, American race car, car driver, Kyle Kirkwood, going to join us. Listen to Speed City Live in Austin back after these messages. Lone Star Rallycross, a family-friendly, time-trial, loose-surface racing series with affordable events, quality competition, and an emphasis on having fun. Co-founded by multi-time SCCA solo and Rallycross national champion, Rally America class champion, and Pikes Peak Hill Climb winner Breanne Korn and her brother Kevin Korn. Race the same car you drive to work on Monday. Just 20 minutes from Circuit of the Americas at the state's only purpose-built Rallycross facility. Online at LoneStarRallycross.com. The Austin East KOA Campground, just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing at Decker Lake. Featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. Do you want to drive a rally car? Well, you can a Dirtfish. Get behind the wheel of an all-wheel drive Subaru WRX STI or rear-wheel drive Subaru BRZ rally car at our 315-acre training facility. Learn advanced car control skills on any surface, in any condition, on our 12 different rally courses. Drift through corners, hammer down straightways, go fast, get sideways, and visit dirtfish.com. Talk 1370. Hi, I'm Wayne Rainey, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We just got through watching the Formula One Russian Grand Prix 
Sitting in studio with Tony Calderon, and we are going to jump right to a caller because we have a young American race car driver who's having a pretty phenomenal year. Friend of the show. Welcome back to the show, Kyle Kirkwood. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, thanks, Kyle. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I guess 2018, could it get any better for you this year? Uh, exactly. I mean, I was actually just looking at it yesterday. We've done... How many races? 14 in USF 2000 and 12 now in Formula 3. And I've only, or us as a team, have only not finished on on the top step in three races. So we've absolutely had a phenomenal year. Um, it was I'm a rookie in both, both classes. It, F3, granted, it came out this year, but a rookie in USF 2000 against some veteran drivers. Um, we just had great equipment under us. Um, Great relationship with the team from last year in uh, the 2017 uh, F4 U.S. Championship. And we carried that momentum over, and we've been doing phenomenal this year. Uh, yeah, that's incredible, Kyle. Uh, you know, we, we ran into Kyle last year and followed him through the F4. You won the four, Formula 4 Championship, United States Formula 4 Championship last year. And, uh, yeah, your career has just con- continued on a straight-up cycle. So, I mean, <laughs> what's next? What's next, Kyle? You know, that's a good question. Um, I'm figuring out for next year. I don't. I don't know which path. Um, quite. I'm not quite sure which path I'm going to go. But I have a 370 or th- sorry, 325 thousand dollars scholarship to go towards Pro Mazda next year, um, along the Mazda Road to Indy, and that scholarship carries o- or doesn't carry over. But if I win the Pro Mazda championship then i think it's seven hundred ninety thousand to go into indy lights next year and then you're guaranteed three races in 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 indycar if you win the indy lights championship so that's one route for me and then the next route is um possibly something in europe possibly something looking towards formula one try and get american into the field possibly um it's i'm I'm figuring out hopefully hopefully i can have an answer for you next uh next month Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, I absolutely love the fact that you have all these options. And and I've got in studio t- today, we've got uh, Tony Calderon. And Tony's uh, one of the partners of Speed Group. And, uh, and you know, Tony, kid like this, you know, this is sky's the limit, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, he's done such a good job. And like, like he was saying with the uh, Maserati to Indy, they have this scholarship uh, program, which is great. Um, uh You've seen guys like we saw Pato Howard this year win the Indy Lights Championship, and he's going to go to IndyCar next year. Spencer Pigott. We've seen a lot of guys just move up through the ranks, obviously, for Kyle. I mean, you've been doing a great job. Um, you're a very strong team. The Cape Brothers, they do an amazing job. They're always winning. And, yeah, I'm sure if if he, if he goes into Pro Massa, he has a lot of future. But like you said, yeah, if you're impressing this much, then, yeah, you, you should uh, think about Europe as well. It's uh, it's a whole other world over there. and. It's always good to, to to test it out for sure. Yeah, and Kyle, you know, you, it's it's. I think you. What are you? Nineteen now, still? Yeah, I'm still nineteen. I'll be twenty. Uh, actually, during the Formula One or Formula One race, uh, when I'm racing there in Formula Three. Okay, well, obviously you got plenty of time to do this, uh, but it, you know, if uh, it would be amazing to see an American in Formula One, and I. I would imagine there'd be plenty of support, considering Liberty Media and everything else. There ought to be some support to, to at least uh, go down that path and take a look at that. But, um, but yeah, you're with all these doors wide open. It's just got to be almost you got to be pinching yourself. 
Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's been it's been a long road. Uh, I started I started in karting when I was four years old, and my my uh, my goal is always to be going towards Formula One. So there's still a big part of me that wants to still attempt to go towards that. Um, almost something like, like Connor Daly did um, a few years back now. But, you know, I've, I've got a pretty good relationship with a lot of guys in IndyCar, a lot of guys in Mazda Road Dandy. Um, so I feel like I have a good path there, and I'm not, not going to ruin that, that's for sure. But there's always going to be a piece of me that's wanted to go towards Formula 1, and I think that's, that's anyone in, in open wheel because that's the pinnacle of racing. That's uh, where the most competition is, and everyone around the world, whoever the best drivers are, typically uh, will go towards that, and, and that t- typically comes from a – from a European scene in FIA F3, and there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of changes next year with Renault and FIA F3. There'll be other championships added in, um, so it, it's going to be all different. GP3, I think it's changing to Formula 3 now or uh, European Formula 3, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but so that's those are all options that I would love to take on next year. I'm not sure if there's if it's a feasible option, but. Yeah, it's uh, Mazda Dandy is still a place I love. I've got a good relationship with all of them, so that, that's that's the most likely place I'll end up next year. And I have that scholarship, so it's kind of a, a just a nice stepping stone set there for me to make it to IndyCar. But like I said, Formula One is always a place I've always wanted to be. Yeah, Kyle got to do a do a call of the Formula One race here in Austin last year with us when Verstappen was pushing track limits. Uh, so he's got he could uh, work on the microphone as well. But uh, Kyle, that's right, Kyle. Uh, you uh, did you get a chance to watch any of the Russian Grand Prix this morning? You know, I I, I didn't get up early enough to watch it. I <laughs> I got up probably twenty minutes after it, and I don't like watching a race if I don't get up right right <laughs> as uh, right as it starts. So I just I press record from the beginning. And and I'm gonna watch it later. I'm gonna go to church here in a little bit. Watch it. I think uh, like around two or three o'clock. So don't spoil it for me, please. All right, we're not gonna spoil <laughs> it to you. We're not gonna spoil it. We're, we, Gasly won the race. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're, we're not gonna spoil it for you. So, uh, uh, well, well, what about uh, what about IndyCar coming to Austin? I mean, I know you you love Austin. Kyle got to you know race with F F4 here with the Formula One guys, and uh, but but no matter which path you go, you're gonna end up in Austin. How about that? Uh, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if, um, I don't think Mazda Dandy's going there with pro Mazda, which is yeah, kind of a, a damper. It's, it's, I think it's a damper for me because the first time I went to, I went to Austin, I think was in 20, I think, I think it was the end of 2014. We had a Chris Griffiths moral test there. It was either 2014 or 2015. And, uh, that that was one of the best times of my life because that was the first time I jumped into a USF 2000 car and a big test. Andy Lights was there, Pro Mazda was there, USF 2000 was there, and I was driving one of the cars. And I love the track. The big, long track, very technical. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun this year jumping into a faster car to run around it. I think the F4 car was really good for racing, but going through the S's, it's nearly flat. So it's, it's almost boring in a slow car. But as soon as you jump up the horsepower rate and you're going a little bit quicker, I think it's going to be extremely fun. Yeah, and what about this? The, the you know the old F three series, and I love the way they're doing this. And I'm going to get Tony's opinion on this, and then you too, Kyle, well, about the way the uh, the F three and the F four championship ladder here in the United States with the opportunity to get with uh, to get super license points. By the way, there's another in this whole ladder. There was another one added that the uh, 
the Toyota Racing Series now. You can I, that was announced this week that you can get super license points in that. But what do you think, Tony, about the way F three and F four and all of these the, the, with the latter with super license points? No, I mean it's it's definitely interesting and having that in the U.S. Um, it, I guess it, it it's good to have those options. Um, F three still, you know, the, the field still kind of growing. Obviously, it's a, it's a brand yeah. new car. Uh, but F4 had a great feel this year. Um, it's still not quite as competitive as the Mazda Road 2 Indy letter is, but but it's getting there. It's it's much cheaper to run there. Uh, they, they're able to keep costs down, so it's great for drivers that are trying to uh, to uh, to come in. Um, actually, my my business partner owns a team that Kyle was beating this year, <laughs> uh, uh, D Force, and they have uh, they have teams both in. Uh, in F4 and in USF 2000, and they love F4 because they say it's a great place to 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 find talent, basically. And then, uh, but but still, it still has to be stronger, so people want to stay in that ladder, and not just basically jump over to the IndyCar ladder. Uh, but no, I think they're doing a great job, and the fields are growing. And uh, and like you said, having that that chance to to start working on your super license, that's important, obviously, because that's something that has to happen, and they're getting way more strict about that. So then, it, it's something you got to do for sure. Yeah, and all these different ladders, you know, like you said, it's it's. It's not like one's necessarily higher than the other. They just kind of all slot in and with everything taken into account, whether it's the cost of running or the slightly divergent path you might take. Uh, but, but Kyle, what about your take on this? I mean, the, the, the whole, the whole uh, ladder and, and all across the board like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I probably have uh, enough experience to, to give you a proper answer on that because yeah, I did F4 for two years. I've been in the USF scene for a couple of years now, just uh, if not, watching it last year with uh, my teammate Oliver Askew and then winning it this year. So I, I got a pretty good take on that. I think, I think, like he said, it's uh, the Maserati and he still has amazing talent. Uh, it's a proven road of success for many drivers. Like he said, Spencer Piggott, Patricio Ward this year is a big deal. Um, just... F4 and F3 doesn't have a paved route right now, but there is tons of interest in it. I mean, F4 had, I think, up to maybe 33 or 34 drivers in it at one point this year, and I'm not sure the last time that USF 2000 has seen that. So there's a lot of interest in it. The It's much more cost-effective than USF 2000 or Pro Mazda um, in that sense than the F4 is. I mean, but... There's uh, there's still some work to be done with it because it's still a new series. It started in 2015. There's a lot of people in the F4 series, but F3 is now just starting up, and there's six cars in the field. We're looking at having 12 for the Formula One race. So hopefully that number will just keep building next year and the following year, and there will be a proven ladder system towards uh, Honda's, I think, ultimate goal or SCCA's ultimate goal, which is either IndyCar or Formula One. I think um, that's still that's still in the, the deciding process for them, uh, but it's it's um, it's something that's growing. I think it's good for the sport that that there's a couple of different options. It's honestly all it's doing is uh, allowing more people to to come up to the sport, and it's kind of a more cost effective way in the F4 championship. Well, Kyle Kirkwood, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. We are following your career very closely here in Speed City, and uh, we'll plan on having you back quite often. Thanks a lot, and. Uh, we will not spoil the race for you. Don't check our Twitter account and uh, <laughs> go to church and go watch that race later. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, Tony, uh, well-spoken kid, doing the right path. Uh, he's not a customer of yours, but he he would he would be a good one, wouldn't he? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we've been 
uh, watching him all year. Um, he's like I said, he's been racing against some of our guys, and he was very impressive. I mean, pretty much um, just every time you would look at the timesheet, it's always basically three, four tenths from him to second place, wow. and uh, and then kind of the rest of the field. So yeah, it's been pretty impressive. His team does a great job as well. They've been around for a long time. The like I said, the Cape brothers, there's two brothers that are on the team. Uh, one manages it and one engineers the cars. And it's a pretty cool story. Cool. And uh, and yeah, I think he's got a bright future. Um, I hope he stays um, in the Maserati to Indy ladder. Because yeah, F1 obviously is, is the dream for a lot of guys, but he has a very good path right now and he needs to stick with it, in my opinion. Yeah, that's cool. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. You listen to Speed City Live in Austin. We got lots more to talk about. Some really interesting stuff, including a movie that a racing movie that Mr. Calderon is working on. So stick with us through the break. Back after these messages. Hey, beer people. It's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery. Ambia Gusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Ambia Gusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Ambia Gusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Lone Star Rallycross, a family-friendly time trial loose surface racing series with affordable events, quality competition, and an emphasis on having fun. Co-founded by multi-time SCCA solo and Rallycross national champion, Rally America class champion, and Pikes Peak Hill Climb winner Breanne Korn and her brother Kevin Korn. Race the same car you drive to work on Monday. Just 20 minutes from Circuit of the Americas at the state's only purpose-built Rallycross facility. Online at LoneStarRallycross.com. Talk 1370. Hello, I'm Jenny Gare from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. We are here in Austin, Texas. We got some racing going on at Circuit of the Americas. We got Rallycross, World Rallycross. Man, we got another world championship here in Austin, Tony. That's awesome, right? I mean, <laughs> no, it's amazing. And, and, and how cool. I mean, Rallycross is, you know, it's a sport that has just kind of been coming up in the last uh, three, four years. And it's just so much fun to watch. And I mean, it's it's like the opposite of F1, basically. It's, you know, it's yeah. 10 minutes. Uh, Tons of action, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Tons, of, tons of action. Lots of wheel travel. It's really, yeah. it's funny. I was watching those guys. You think, okay, this car's got to go over a jump, go three feet in the air, land, and then try to corner like an F one car. So yeah, crazy. But hey, we got a caller on the line. We've got Michael from California. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. I really appreciate your uh, radio show because 
not too often that you get to talk about Formula One on radio or, or television at, at all, but uh, thank you. Sure. Um, I, I just, uh, I've been a fan of Formula One and an enthusiast for a long time, but I, I will tell you that as a fan, I've seen a lot of changes, and safety uh, is one of them. Um, and I think that the Halo, as, as controversial as it was uh, when it first came out, uh, if you see the, the previous two Formula One races, uh, with Leclerc and uh, Alonzo, and I think the uh, other Leclerc um, or the Sauber accident uh, in qualifying, I think that has saved so many drivers, and I think it's only going to get better. And it's not the one design, and it's done. I think it'll evolve over the years and uh, and only keep drivers safer because as a fan, I can remember – my heroes um, not living through the season and, uh, and, and for, for various reasons of design. But I will tell you, it's, it, it's getting better, and the racing is, uh, is, uh, is awesome and um, great deal. Thank I, you. I, I agree completely, Michael, because I know it was controversial, and I know that it, it's, it was, there was everybody saying it's going to ruin the look of the car. At, at this mm-hmm. point now, I don't even notice it anymore. It's completely. Tony, I mean, you oh. – well, go ahead, Michael. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, uh, you know, we've we've lived through the platypus noses of the Formula One cars a couple of years ago, and and the air boxes of the '70s and and the six wheelers. But that's what kept the interest in Formula One, uh, and I think that's important. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, that's I definitely want you to to express your opinion because I want to hear what other people are saying about it. I have, I to the point where I don't even notice it. Tony, what about you? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I've always been a huge proponent of it. Um, you know, they, they say it's controversial, but that's just because they like to say that things are controversial just to to have something to talk about. Like I said, I mean, it's no much, it's, it's no different than anything else. After a few races, you don't even notice it. It was the same, with like 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 he said, with the different noses and the smaller rear wings that people say back in the day, they look dumb. And now, I mean, at the end of the day, look, it's, you have to have it. It saves lives. Um, it will yep. save life. It has saved life. Like you said, um, it's it, it, by far the, the most vulnerable part of the car, obviously. And, and the drivers is, is, is their helmet and their head. And I hope, uh, that IndyCar has, uh, adopts something similar as well. I think yeah. I really hope they will with some of the stuff that happened with, uh, Wickens accident and Justin Wilson a couple of years ago. Um, so no, I mean I, I you know I have a lot of a lot of friends that drive these cars and you want nothing but the best for them and safety. And who cares if the car is uglier? You know it's it's all about safety. So. Yeah, I agree. Michael, did you get to watch yes, the Russian Grand Prix this morning? I I just did like a a, a speed through on it. I taped it and I just saw the last couple of minutes, but uh, I saw where um, Botas. Um, kind of guaranteed his ride for next year. Uh, so um, I think that, uh, that that worked out for him. Uh, you know, it's sometimes it's a little sacrifice for, for drivers who are somewhat with what they see the second tier on the team. But uh, as a as a good fighter pilot, you're always on with your wingman, you know, and uh, and I think that's what he did. Yeah. Hey, are you coming to Austin for the, the Formula 1 race here at Coda? I would love to. Uh, I, I'll tell you the, the one of the Grand Prix, the last Grand Prix I ever went to was the Long Beach Grand Prix when Formula One ran in '83. Huh. But uh, yeah, I've always seen it on TV. It's an awesome track. Well, if you want to go, I've got a pair of tickets for you. If you want to go, 
my heart just jumped out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. You're gonna have, oh, you're gonna have to get oh your own God. ride, your own flight. But I'm gonna get you a pair of tickets. How about that? Oh man, you just made my you made my year. Thank you. <laughs> All oh. right. Well, awesome. Well, that, Michael. Well, thanks for calling. You didn't expect that. We didn't say we were going to do that, but hey, we got a couple of tickets for listeners, so I'm going to put, oh. put some with your name on it. Why don't you hang on the line and let the producer get your uh, your email and stuff like that? Oh, thank you so much. I, <laughs> I sincerely appreciate that. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank uh, well, you, Michael. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Hold on the line. I'll hang on. Pretty cool. He was pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's that's great. <laughs> well, hey, Tony, I, we just got a few minutes left. I want to talk about the movie that you're doing because I have got, I've actually had a chance to preview this movie and I absolutely love the concept and it was a fantastic movie and the, the, the idea of following gentleman drivers. So tell us about the movie, and I know you can't talk about exactly the, the, when it's coming out and all that, but tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, the movie is it's called the gentleman, the gentleman Driver. It's a movie about gentleman drivers, which a lot of people don't even know what, what, what that means. But basically, in the sports car world, there's a lot of classes where you, you need to have a pro-am lineup, basically. And it's a really crazy concept because you have amateurs, and most of the time these amateurs are very successful businessmen because they basically can afford to be there because it costs millions of dollars to be able to race there. Uh, and these guys are racing alongside and against some of the best drivers in the world. So like we like to say in, in our tagline, you know, it's uh, you can own an NFL team, you can own a baseball team, but you can't pay to be the quarterback in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but in racing, you can. You can pay to be uh, at the 24 Hours of Le Mans or 24 Hours of Daytona or any of those uh, big races. You, you can pay to be there. And, and these guys are very very impressive individuals not only obviously on the business world because you know we follow guys like ed brown who's the ceo of tequila patron and ricardo gonzalez who owns a university in in mexico and we follow uh, them in the movie yeah we follow them in the movie and you you know you kind of get to learn about how they got to where they are on the business side but then also you know these guys go from being the boss to being sort of the weak link in the team you know um but it's it's pretty cool just to see the, the dynamic. And when I say that, these guys are some of the fastest gentleman drivers yeah. in the world. So it's, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a project we've been working on for the last almost four years. Um, very excited. Uh, it's finally gonna come out. I, I can't say officially yet, but let's just say it's gonna be in one of the very big networks that everybody watches every day. <laughs> and uh, hopefully in the next month or two, we'll be able to announce that. Um, and anybody that's curious about it can go to thegentlemandrivermovie.com the or just the gentleman driver on Facebook and Instagram. So we're, uh, we're super excited about it. I am too. I'm really excited because I've seen it and it's really good. And I just, I just love the, the idea of following that story and letting people see how that works. But Hey, you know, Michael, the caller brought up something that I, and, and actually you did and talking about, about Wiccans and, uh, and the safety of the car. And obviously he's got a, a road back. And, um, you know, when I watched Wiccans have that wreck and in fact, we went on the air right after that, and I was commenting, and I don't, I haven't heard really anything about. But when when Wiccans, you know, he hit the, he went up in the air and hit the fence and spun around on the fence, and then when he came down, what I thought, I commented that day, I was like, man, the way he hit the ground, he just came straight down. You know, it was, it was, it wasn't like he came down and hit the nose first or, or anything else. He just literally, the car came straight down, like flat, like a pancake, like went straight back, like it was, you know, hitting the wheels. And I'm wondering if that that crazy straight down impact. Cause that's kind of an unusual 
way to crash. You know, typically you think of a crumple zone in the front mm-hmm. or, you know, like you're saying, debris coming to hit the helmet. But I, I, I saw that and I thought, I wonder if that's what happened. But well, And it is. That's the, the theory. The theory is that um, like the, the, well, he has a lot of injuries, but the really bad one, which is a spinal, spinal. cord injury, most likely happened then. Um, probably a combination of hitting everything first and then a lot of things, well, first of all, obviously there was, there's nothing else on the car. So it hit, basically straight on the ground, like the top just hit the, the, the track. Um, also, because of the, 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 how big the first impact was against the fence, a lot of the seat belts do their job, but they, they can only do it once. So, so he was already oh, yeah. loosened. Uh, these cars actually have some protection under the seat, specifically for injuries like that. But once you have one impact, everything kind of softens up. And most likely from, from what I hear from people that, that know a lot about his situation, um, that was probably what, what hurt him the most is when he hit the ground back up because he was not in the, the right position. He should have yeah. been. Everything was kind of loosened up. And um, and yeah, unfortunately, that, that's probably what did it. And I don't know what, obviously, I don't know what you can do about that. I mean, obviously, I'm sure they will keep working on it, more more cushioning for, for, uh, for the seats and, and between the, the tub and the seat and stuff like that. But obviously, that was a huge crash and um, we're just happy that he's alive and in good spirits. And um, hopefully he'll... We'll have a good recovery soon. Yeah, well, obviously safety is a big part of what we all talk about in racing, so hopefully that will continue to evolve. So, all right, well, thanks for listening to Speed City today. And, of course, we'll be back. Uh, Check us out on our website. You can check our schedule there, speedcitybroadcast.com. We do pre- and post-races for all the Formula One and live every Sunday night here in Austin. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.